Christ is risen. What a glorious thing to celebrate together as we worship Him today. Welcome to the worship of Jesus Christ at Newcastle Bible Church. Luke 24 tells the story how the women came to the tomb and they saw the two angels standing in radiant white before the empty tomb. And they asked the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Loved ones, we don't just celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday morning. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every single Sunday morning when the church gathers together and celebrates that our God lives. Our sin is forgiven. We have hope. We have a message. We are living as the ambassadors of the living Christ in this world. And we've gathered to worship him together with each of you today. So thank you. Thank you for joining us and gathering with this chorus of the redeemed that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together. We are thrilled to do that with you today. If you would take your worship folder and open that up. If you didn't grab one, we have more, I believe, on the tables at the front or the back of the room. Please just stand up, help yourself. You'll definitely want to take advantage of knowing all that is in there. If you open that up, you'll notice there is a check-in card. And we'd invite all of you, even if you're a regular attender, record your attendance by writing your name. And if we don't have your information yet, filling out the whole front. And then on the back is an opportunity for you to list your prayer requests. We would love as pastors and elders here in this church to be praying for each of you specifically this week. And the way we know how to pray for you this week would be if you could write out a small prayer request and then drop it in the tables in the front or the back of the room before you leave. You can also use the app by doing that on your phone or through our website if you're online watching today. But we would love to be able to pray for you and to do that. There's also a number of events coming up. You can sign in for those on the check-in card or just please make sure and read through the worship folder today. There's lots and lots of exciting ministry coming up this summer in the life of our church together. We don't want any of you to miss out and say, oh, I didn't know that we were doing that. So please read through this information. We don't have time to talk about all of it when we're together. So read through the announcements that are there and make sure and avail yourself of those. 
There is so much going on in the life of Newcastle right now. It is just exciting. I am so blessed and privileged to be part of this church family with you. God's Spirit is doing an amazing work. We have over 70 of our church family at the Ascend Camp in um, Lake Williamsville this weekend. So they are, our youth are being saturated with the Word of God and fun and games and staying up way too late and getting up way too early and all those fun things. So we're praying for the 70 of us that are at camp this week. We're thrilled to have Phil and Cindy Underheil here today from Hawaii, from the big island in Hawaii, and they are here to preach. Phil's going to preach the word to us, and just we're going to take an exit offering from them. At the end of this service, you're going to notice there's boxes where you can take an exit offering. Everything that we collect in that offering will go to encourage the Underheils in their work in church planting on the big island. And so please be generous, church, to them today as we have an opportunity to bless them and encourage them in their visit with us. But just two quick announcements uh, I want to direct your attention to in the worship folder before we pray. First is next week, July 3rd, we are going to have a quarterly prayer gathering during our 930 hour and we are praying that all of our church family would come together for that time, including our youth, and would have an hour of crying out to God and knitting our hearts together in humble dependence upon His Spirit. There is nothing like the church coming together to pray together and ask God to do a mighty work by His power. And particularly next week when we meet, we're going to be praying for the building up of the body of our fellowship, our, our family together, and our strengthening of God's Spirit at work in our love for each other and with each other. So please plan to join us for that week, uh, that hour of prayer next Sunday at 930. And then I need to tell you a quick story about something amazing that God's doing in our community right now through Newcastle Bible Church. And I just praise God for this. I wish we had more time, but, but just you need to know that the Mackinac Village Hall contacted me and asked, would there be any way that Newcastle Bible Church could put on some type of a kids program for the children in the Mackinac community during the summer? And, and they, they, we, we need something for the kids to do. The kids are getting in trouble. The parents are pulling their hair out. We don't want bald parents. And so we just, would the church be willing to help us? So we started to pray. We started to talk. And um, we're so thankful that under the leadership of our pastoral interns, Jamar Williams and David Maroos, I'm going to introduce David to you in just a moment, but, but under the leadership of those two men, we are now able to offer a, a children's program on Mondays and Wednesdays from 10.30 in the morning until 1 in the afternoon, including lunch, in Mackinac for children ages 5 to 12 years old. And so under the leadership of Jamar and David, we're looking for any of you who would love to help supply lunches and maybe bring a lunch on a Wednesday or a Monday during the month of July to the Mackinac Community Center and to help provide lunch for these kiddos. Um, or we're looking for people who would say, I can help actually serve one of those days on a Monday or a Wednesday 
during the month of July from 10.30 in the morning until 1 p.m., I can sign up for one of those days or maybe two of those days and be there just to help and encourage and love the children of our community with the love of Christ. This is just going to be fun activities, games, lunch, and then a Bible lesson sharing and teaching the gospel to the children of our community through the month of July. So I know July is busy. We got VBS, all kinds of other things. But when the community asks us to do something with our kids, how could we say no? And so church, great opportunity. Please pray for that. And if you have any interest in helping, contact Jamar Williams or David Maroos. I think this is the first time. If you can go to the next slide, I just want you to see David's mugshot there alongside Jamar. Jamar, you already know, he's been here a year already as one of our pastoral interns. David Maroos is a brand new pastoral intern with Newcastle just for this summer, coming from Moody Bible Institute to help focus on children's ministry and help grow and develop him alongside us. So if you see David, he's only here for a short two months. Make sure love on him, encourage him as a church, as I know you will. And if he comes to you and asks you to help, if you're able to help with any of the ministries, please consider that as well. So lots of exciting things coming into uh, our life and our ministry together this summer. Let's pray now that God's spirit would be glorified among us as we worship him in our time together. Let's bow in prayer. So Father, please, we've gathered out of the busyness of our lives and all of the summer activities, and our heart for this hour is that we would be quiet and still before you. Our desire, Father, is that we'd be able to sing glorious truths of the resurrection of Christ to one another. Our desire is that we'd be able to build up the body through our prayers and through our giving and through our worship. Our desire, Father, is that you would use the preaching of your word to purify your church and increase our love for Jesus and increase our hatred for sin and increase the power of our witness in this world. Oh, this world is raging. This world is raging. So help us, Father, to be your ambassadors, your ministers of reconciliation. Equip us for the ministry that you have for us this week through our worship of you together as we desire to exalt Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray together. And everyone would say, amen. Well, listen now, if you would, to what the Word of God says. This is from Psalm 145. It says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Well, this morning, uh, as we continue in our worship service, we're going to do just what this psalm says. We're going to commend the works of God to one another. We're going to praise God um, for his mighty acts and the glorious splendor of his majesty. Would you please stand and let's sing together.
Above, yet bends to hear our every prayer. 
may be seated. Uh, we'll dismiss our uh, children ages three through kindergarten for uh, children's church. You just head out the back door there and follow the crowd. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we turn to you this morning in total awe as we consider who you are. The God of creation and the author of salvation. You are so much more than we can comprehend. We cannot even imagine your majesty and glory. And yet you love us so much that you sent your son to pay the penalty for our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself a ransom for our sins. You who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in you. Thank you are such easy words to say. May we show our appreciation by living for you, serving you wherever you would call us to serve. Father, we want to lift up our partner church this morning, Cross Point Community Church in Eureka. This week is their summer vacation Bible school. We ask that you would bless this ministry Please bring the volunteers needed. We also want to thank you and ask you to bless them as an associate pastor is joining their staff in August, David Wolf. Bless him as he leads their worship and discipleship ministries. We pray for him and his family as they transition to the Eureka area this summer and into this ministry. Father, we ask that you be with our global partners, Phil and Cindy Underhill, serving in the remote area of Hawaii. Thank you for bringing them safely here, and we pray for safety for the rest of their time on the mainland. We also lift up their needs for funding for the cost of this trip, and ask that you meet their needs. We know you will. We pray for their church plant while they are away, that the people of their church will remain faithful to you. We ask that you bless and multiply their ministry, specifically coming up this next week, the uh, motorcycle ministry that Phil has become a part of, and just ask you to bless in that ministry. And Father, the beach church they'll be having, again, we just ask you to please uh, be with them. And Father, also ask that you would raise up leaders for uh, their church. We just uh, put all this in your hands and trust you to fulfill. 
And we also want to remember Shane and Tanya Knapp and their family and father needs continue for men to serve at Salem Ranch. We're trusting you to fill those needs. Father, we also want to ask you to remember our own vacation Bible school coming up in a couple of weeks. Please provide the volunteers needed for that program and then later again in Goodfield. We pray the attendees would hear and respond to the gospel message. And Lord, you have blessed us so far beyond anything we can imagine. Please be with the more than 70 youth and adult leaders while they're at Ascend Camp. Grant them safety and change lives as they live under an intense week of teaching and training, sharing. Father, we ask that you bless our efforts as we search for an associate pastor of prayer and care. We know your man is there. Help us to wait patiently as we seek your will. Please make your will obvious to us. And now, fathers, we come to the time of teaching. Please help us to listen and hear with open hearts, willing to change as you would have us. Please be with Phil as he brings his message to us. Grant him the grace and freedom to speak from his heart as you lead. Again, we just thank you, Jesus, for your precious sacrifice on the cross. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand with us and continue you sing? Said he will deliver safe. 
a little better than the, the morning service. How many have been to Hawaii? A few. Okay, so if you ever go, when in a, in a setting like this, when someone says aloha, the response is aloha. So let's try it again. Aloha. Aloha. Very good. You may be seated for a second. Well, it is a, a joy... Uh, to be with you this morning, and I can't tell you, and I, I shared a little bit in the Sunday school hour, uh, what a joy it is to be at Newcastle. There's a lot of history, and you know, we can't rest on history, amen? And we got to move forward, and I'm grateful for Pastor Kevin and his, his leadership moving forward to, to spread the light in a lost and dark world, and we're certainly in the midst of that. Um, before I forget, I need to introduce my wife, Cindy. She's going to stand and she's going to sit right down because she always does. Thank you. Um, you know, we've been, we've been partners for a long time. Uh, this next February, we'll make uh, 45 years in wedded bliss, right? Bliss. It's all been bliss. <laughs> Except for, no. It's been bliss so far today. Anyway, sorry. I, uh, but again, I, in Hawaiian, it's mahalo nui loa, and that means thank you very much. And we are so thankful 
to our Newcastle family, our Newcastle partners, who have stood with us for just almost 30 years. And wow, I don't even know how to say thank you enough for your partnership, for financial prayer, your care. And I'm telling you, I mean, being at this for a long time, I don't know of another church that cares for missionaries on the field in a greater way than this church does. And, and I just thank you. We, that is so important and meaningful to us. And so now that you've had a break, if you wouldn't mind standing, uh, we'll be in 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning. I'll read a few verses of Scripture, and we want to do honor to the Word of God by standing. So 1 Peter 1, and our text is verses 3 through 5, but I'd like to read the surrounding context. So beginning in verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as exiles scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to the obedience of Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and unfading, having been kept in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And now, Father, we ask for your anointing, for your special blessing on these next minutes as I share from my heart what you have laid upon my heart. And Lord, as always, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be in complete control over what goes on in these next minutes. Lord, so much so that you would guide my words even to the point of if there is something that I'm planning to say that I should not, that you would cause me to forget it. And if there's something that I should say that I'm not planning to, oh Lord, that you would bring it to my mind, that you would have full sway over what comes out of my mouth. And Lord, we, we ask for all of our friends here this morning that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, and as you do that, the Holy Spirit would have full control, Lord, that we would be willing to surrender to your will and to be able to 
say to you, Lord, whatever you want, I will do. And so, Lord, we ask again your blessing upon this next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, I know it's no surprise to you, but there is a lot going on in our world. Not much of it good, unless you start thinking about the really wonderful stories of the gospel going out around the globe, here, here regionally, and then in Hawaii and different places around this, this planet. The gospel's going out, folks. I hope you understand that, that the gospel is going out in great power even as we speak. And lives are being changed for eternity, and we rejoice in that. In the midst of all we look around and see, because what, what we see if we look out and around the world that we live in, none of it's really all that good. I mean, I, I think most of us are appalled at some of the things that we're seeing. I mean, what, what, how, how do we react when when an 18-year-old kid goes into a a school, into a classroom, and and actually shoots to death 19 children and two teachers. I mean, I don't even know how you reacted. I I started crying. And all that is going on just in the last few days with the Supreme Court and all that, and I can't get my mind wrapped around how people are are upset because babies' lives are being saved. I, I don't even get that. But that's the world we live in, folks. We live in a world that, particularly in our country, that has kicked God to the curb and, the, and anarchy has replaced it. And here we are. But you know what? So what? It really doesn't matter what's going on around us. The primary mission for you and for me, whether we live here in central Illinois or on a remote island in Hawaii, the mission begins the same, and that is the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. I was reminded of that. Our church did a Wednesday night series a um, month or so ago um, done by David Jeremiah. It was, where do we go from here? Was answering some of the questions people are having. Is all that we're seeing going on around us, is that, you know, are we entering into the, you know, the tribulation period? It's a fair question. And David Jeremiah's response to that was, well, I really don't know, actually. But what I do know is this is at least a foreshadowing of the future. But what was really the point is, is that there was a 10-lesson 10, 10 series. And the last lesson, he said, okay, everything I told you in the, in the, in the previous nine, because he talked about um, uh, socialism and, you know, the economy and all these different things that are you know, ever present before us. He says, you know, really none of that's important. What is important is the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. And he said, he said you know, we, we have a, um, a hero of the faith that is now home with Jesus. And his name was Billy Graham. And Billy Graham preached from the 1940s till he retired. He preached through 12 administra- presidential administrations. He, he preached through wars in assassinations, and economic collapse, and 
um, the Twin Towers and just one catastrophe after another, whether it's in our country or somewhere around the world. And now with technology, you can listen to all of Billy Graham's messages from the 1940s to when he retired. And through all of that that was going on, his message was Jesus, 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 the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. And as I say that in Hawaiian, we call it chicken skin, goose pimples, because it's the truth. The gospel changes things. The gospel makes the difference. There was a lot going on. There is a lot going on in our day, all around us, things that we are, you know, we shake our head and go, I can't believe what's going on. A lot was going on in Peter's day as he was penning this letter to these, these refugees that had fled the city of Rome because of persecution. I mean, it's kind of tough there, too. They were rounding up Christians and feeding them to the lions. That's kind of a tough way to start your day. And so these people had fled to these five different regions, and Peter is saying to them, how great is our salvation? How great is the living hope? Because that's what changes lives. That's what affects eternity. We have a great salvation. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. How great is our salvation? He started that with saying, how shall we escape if we ignore it? Because if we ignore God's great salvation, the only thing left is the wrath of God. And folks, that's real. You know, hell is a real place. Hell is hot. And nobody in their right mind would want to go there. And so we have the message of the gospel that is given to you and I as a sacred trust. And you and I have the responsibility that as Peter did, that we would make that message known. Just like the New Testament writers did. They all were careful to remind us of just how great our salvation is. And as you read the New Testament, you read words like, I remind you, remember, remember. You know, Paul, in his, in his last, I was just reading uh, the beginning of 2 Timothy this morning in my, in my quiet time, and, I, and, and, and Paul says to Timothy, remember, Timothy, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I'm thinking he probably already knew that. But Paul saw fit to remind him, don't, don't lose the priority, Timothy, don't forget that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I know that's cliche, and I don't know who made that up, but it's, I like it. Because I don't know if you're anything like me, but it's pretty easy to get off track and off focus. And it's essential that we stay on mission. Our salvation is great. Our salvation is great. Because our sin is great. Our salvation is great because our sin is great. Every aspect of our great salvation is miraculous and extraordinary. I mean, it's amazing to think about everything that went in to your eternal life and my eternal life. The Godhead in eternity past set, set the plan of salvation into action. 
because the Godhead knew that we needed to be saved. Really, the whole, the whole gospel is inconceivable, really, to the world. They don't get it. They don't understand it. The world considers in the beginning God, which we base everything on, right? In the beginning God. That's where it all starts. But the world views that as an unscientific fairy tale. You believe what? In the face of all the science? Yeah, I actually do. In the beginning, God. The world views salvation and views the cross of Jesus Christ as an unintelligent crutch. Thank you very much, I like the crutch. Because I would be nowhere without it. In human terms, it's all impossible. But we know, by Jesus' own words, that all things are possible with God. So as we consider our living hope, because that's what Peter is trying to share, shared with those refugees, those aliens, those sojourners, he shared with them that we are born again to a living hope, and we are. And so let's consider just for a moment the three elements or the three aspects of eternal life. And folks, this morning, this is a a pretty basic message. And I think it's important that we keep the basics, the fundamental message of the gospel at the forefront of our minds. Now, I, I am all for deep, theological preaching and studies. I'm an expository guy. I, I, I love that. But I always have to come back to the basics. So we have three elements of salvation, or of eternal life. Salvation, sanctification, and glorification. I know you all know that. But let's talk a little bit about that. In verse three, we see Peter's writing, and he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we all say amen to that. In fact, this whole passage, you could say amen like after every phrase. But we have to understand that salvation is totally a work of God. That there's nothing you and I can do to somehow orchestrate our eternal life. It is all a work of God. And I believe that because anything else, any other viewpoint devalues the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ is the only way. It's not a way. It's the only way to salvation. But as Peter is writing, you know, he writes, blessed, happy, joyful, be the God and Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, and for, for those of us that um, prepare sermons and, and study and get ready to stand up before you and open the sacred word, I just have to tell you, at least for me, is that rabbit trails are frequent, right? I mean, you get studying something and you just kind of go off and, you know, and after 
20 minutes, you're going, wait, wait a minute. It's got really nothing to do with the message, but it was still good. So anyway, it is interesting to me is that how few times that God is referred to as father in the Old Testament. I don't know if you realize that, but the word, the word father is used 1,121 times in the Old Testament. You're saying, you counted all those up? No, I didn't. I have a Bible program that counted it up for me. It only takes like 0.1 second, and it does it. But I was, I was amazed that of the 1,121 times in the Old Testament, only eight times is it referring to God as our Father. Most of those are in the Psalms. Because David had this uncanny understanding of God being the Father. Now, as we segue to the New Testament, Jesus at all times referred to God as his Father. He said it over and over and over. I have not come to do my will, but the will of the, the Father. Until, until that faithful day as he hung on the cross and he, as he was bearing the, the weight of all of the sin of humanity, coupled with the wrath of God, he cried out and he said, not my father, my father. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think Peter wants to hammer that home on what a relationship that we have with God the Father because he uses a little word. And we've, we, we learn as we study the scripture that little words are important. And he says, blessed be the God and Father of our our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a personal word, and it indicates an intimate relationship, an intimate fellowship. And ladies and gentlemen, I submit, submit to you that God cannot be our Father if Jesus Christ is not our Savior. That when we come to that point where we receive genuine saving faith, God becomes our Father. We are born again into his family, and he is our father. That word our is so very important. It's key because we must trust Christ in order for him to be our father. And he says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according, according to his great mercy has called us to be born again to a living hope. And as I said a moment ago, his great mercy had to be great because our sin is great. Don't you know? Right, everybody? My, our sin is great. I know we have the illustration that, you know, we, we, we come to Christ with our baggage, it's a good illustration, actually. So all of us, all of us, we all got our little bag, right? And we all can set that little bag on our lap right now. We can open that thing up and look in there and probably be appalled, right? Because there's a whole lot more in there than what we probably remember. And my bag is different than your bag. All kinds of stuff in there. 
that God's displeased with, all those sins. But did you know if you opened up your bag and you looked in there and says, oh, well, there's only one in there, that that one sin would be so great, no matter what it is, would be so great that it would require a great salvation. It would require God's great mercy. Because we're all sinners. We're all born in sin. And we all need that forgiveness that Christ extends to us because of his cross work. And he says, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we all understand. We just sang songs about it. And I love what Pastor said, is that we don't sing resurrection songs one day a year. That we ought to sing those songs every day because that sealed the promise. Which is another song I really like, Living Hope. That is a great song. That God, Jesus Christ came out of that grave and he sealed the promise. We were born again, born again into God's family. We know how that works, right? With families and babies being born, right? We've all experienced that. And cool things happen, right? Little baby comes in. And the parents have probably spent, probably as most parents I know and as what we did, is that you think long and hard about what you're going to name the kid, right? So once... They get born, the first thing that happens is we give them a name. Or I guess you, you can call him boy. But, you know, probably another name would be more appropriate. And so we come up with a name. And then once that baby has a name, then it is recorded on a certificate of birth. And that certificate of birth then becomes the child's lineage. Right? He becomes a part of the lineage of our family. Of his family, and if you you know if you would go back and do your your you do your genealogical work and you go back and look at the lineage of your family, your name is in there somewhere, and the name of your parents and grandparents and so on and so forth. And you know what's not going to happen? Somebody's not going to go on your family tree and erase your name because that can't happen. Because when you're born into your family, you're born in your family. And that's the end of it. And the, and the illustration is, is the same as it relates to, to us being born again into God's family. We are born into God's family once we have, have surrendered ourselves to Christ and we have received saving faith. That is a permanent decision and that is being transformed into darkness, into light. But we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come and we are firm in our salvation. Just like in your family. I have five children and they will be my five children forever. Right? They're my children. And no matter what they do or what I do, they're my children. Nothing can change that. Nothing can change what happens at the moment of your salvation. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Because a living hope Peter's talking about the living hope and he is talking about eternal life. It is the hope we have. It's the great hope that we have. 
I have a, an old, I guess it's old, it's an old NIV Schofield Study Bible that I got in 1985. And let me tell you something, folks, I've, I've wore that thing out. I mean, some of it you can't even read because there's so many underlines and highlights and notes and At some point over the 30 years that I used that Bible, in Romans 8, I wrote up at the top, hope in the Bible is absolute certainty. Hope in the Bible is absolute certainty. We all know what hope is, right? The, the worldly hope. And I'm going I'm to go ahead and do this. I did this in the morning service and I didn't get much of a reaction. I hope... The Cardinals win today. And I hope the Cubs lose. Oh, look at that. I got an applause this time. But that, I mean, that's all great. You know, it doesn't mean anything. Hope in the Bible is absolute certainty. Let's talk about that just for a moment. It's absolute certainty that comes from God in Psalm 43. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Hope in Scripture is absolute certainty, and it is the gift of grace. 2 Thessalonians 2.16, may, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us, and by his grace gave us e eternal encouragement and good hope. Absolute certainty is defined by scripture. In Romans 15, 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have Absolute certainty is a reasonable reality. Later on, Peter, in chapter 3 and verse 15, he writes, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always, always, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always, always be ready to give an answer for this blessed hope, for this living hope. Be ready to give an answer. Folks, I submit to you, I submit a lot of things this morning. I'm submitting to you that that world out there that is looking at everything around them that does not have Christ, they are without hope. They have no hope. And I have noticed over the course of the last two years that people are looking. It's a, I mean, it's pretty easy now to have a conversation and steer them towards spiritual things because people are asking questions. Where is the hope? Because they're not getting it. You know, they're not going to, you know, click on CNN and find hope. Hope comes from Christ. 
absolute certainty is secured by the resurrection. We read about the resurrection there in verse 3 that, that this hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And uh, in John's gospel, Jesus is communicating with Mary and Martha as he's getting ready to raise their brother Lazarus from the dead. And he says, I am, right? I, we know what I am is, right? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks her the $64 million question. Do you believe this? And because of the hope of the resurrection, she answered in the affirmative, yes, I believe this. Do we? Do we believe because Jesus Christ rose from the dead? And if we really believe that, then we know that the, the living hope of eternal life is absolutely certain. Absolute certainty is confirmed in us by the Holy Spirit in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Absolute certainty defends us from Satan's attacks. Anybody ever feel attacked by Satan? Like every minute of every day. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 But since we belong to the day... Let us be self-control, putting on faith in love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Folks, we understand, right, as, we, as, as students of the scripture, that at the cross, our enemy was defeated. He has met his match in Jesus Christ. He is defeated. But God in his sovereignty has allowed him to reign free until the appointed time. So he is still a formidable enemy, but not one that cannot be defeated. We do not have to live in defeat to the evil one. Christ came to release us from the chain of, and the bondage of sin. Absolute certainty is confirmed through trials, Romans 5.3. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, right? He's, he's uh, echoing what James said. Consider it, NIV says, pure joy, pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Okay, I don't know about you, but there are times when there are trials come that pure joy isn't my first reaction. But it ought to be, because it doesn't matter, folks, what happens Christ is on the throne, and there's nothing that man can do to you and I. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know, because we know, as I said in the, in the early service, is that word know is a great word. 
When you're reading through the New Testament, every time you come to the word no, underline it. Because it, the scripture wants you to know something. Know something about your eternal security. Know something about the good hand of God. Know something about what it takes and what it means to walk a life that is pleasing to God. There's so much in the Bible that God wants us to know. In fact, everything that we are supposed to know is there. Because we know that suffering, this is what we know, that suffering produces perseverance, long-suffering, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, that hope that is absolute certainty, that we never have to doubt anything that is contained in the scripture. We can take it to the bank, as they say, and then let me tell you, there's no bank that we can trust like we can trust in Christ. Absolute certainty produces joy. Psalm 146.5, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. Absolute certainty is fulfilled in Christ's return. Titus 2.13, Paul encouraging Titus, and he tells them that, you know, we, we, let, let's, not get, let, let, let's not be consumed with, with pleasing our earthly nature and, and those pleasures, but let's live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this current age while we what? While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Our salvation is great. That was number one. Number two? The second element of eternal life is sanctification. Sanctification is, is pretty cool. Why? It's because we get to be involved in it. You and I get to participate in sanctification. Right? You have salvation, all of God. You have glorification, all of God. You have sanctification, that's you and I. It's our work through grace and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. A theological term at least in our circles, is progressive sanctification, the process of spiritual growth, of growing and changing to conform to the image of Christ. That is our goal. That as we get up and get our head off the pillow every morning, that our goal would to be please Christ and to grow and change to conform to his image. This is exciting, folks, as we think about sanctification, being set apart for Christ as we, as we live our life for his honor and for his glory. At the moment of saving faith, God's power secures that faith all the days of our lives until that moment when we reach glorification. Not only does God's power secure our saving faith, it supplies our living faith. So as we think about that, the same omniscience, omnipotence, sovereign power that chose you and I for salvation, that same power energizes our living faith. And you folks realize that, right? That there's, there's saving faith that act of God that redeems our soul and provides eternal life. There's saving faith and there's living faith. 
Faith to get us through the day. Faith that we might have the ability to live a life pleasing to God in, a, in, in all that goes on in our life. And that's a lot, right? There's a lot going on in life and, and God gives us the power and the strength and the wherewithal to live, a, to live in a way that pleases Him. It energizes our living faith. Because we're on a journey, right? Right? We're, 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 we're on this faith journey. God's got us walking along. And the question we always have to ask is, 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 is our faith seeing us through in everything? All the stuff of life. I just wrote down a couple. Relationships, career, finances. Oh boy, that's a big one. That we trust God with our money. We so much want to control our own money, right? But I'm, tell, I'm telling you just from personal experience, it goes a lot better if we give our money to God and just and, and be good stewards of it. Children, our daily sustenance, safety in driving to work. And for, for me, doing a motorcycle ministry, and me, there's probably other riders here in the room, the safety on a motorcycle, that's really important. Are we trusting God? Do, are we living by faith? Do we have the, the hope that God is going to sustain us through the, 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 the issues of life every day? And just as saving faith is permanent, so is living faith. God, by his power, will never leave us nor forsake us even when our faith is weak. God has promised to sustain us and never leave us, ever. No matter what's going on, God is there through the sanctification process. He will never abandon us even when times seem tough, right? Right? Do we have tough times? Do things, do things happen and we're going, oh my, oh my, oh my. God did not leave, right? He did not say, well, I don't know, I'm gonna check out of Phil's life today. That never happens. But I need to trust the process and so do you. That we trust the process of progressive sanctification. That if we commit to walk the way God intends us to walk, God will see us through. A little illustration. Years ago, just before we came to Illinois, I was working for a building contractor, never having done that before, and the boss took me out to meet the crew I would be working on, as a cedar siding crew, and I looked around, and all the guys had tool belts on. I did not own a tool belt. But I wasn't about to show up for work the next day without one. So I went to the Ace Hardware store down the street from us, and I bought myself a tool belt. And I thought, you know, I can't show up with no tools in it. That'd be weird. So I bought a hammer. That's the only thing I'd think of. So I bought a hammer. And I showed up the next morning with my brand new tool belt and my brand new hammer. And the foreman said, okay, it looks like you're going to be nailing all day. 
because I couldn't cut any boards because I didn't have a tape measure, right? Because that, that's an essential tool. When you're a building contractor and you're building stuff, you need to have a tape measure. I went, oh, that's kind of an important tool. So I went home that, that, that night and I bought a tape measure and stuck that in my pouch. And I thought, man, I'm gonna impress them. I bought a speed square. Maybe some of you don't know what that is. That's a really important tool. And I showed up the next day in my my speed square and my tape measure and I measured out the board and I made my little mark and used my tape ma- my speed square and I and then I, I grabbed a skill saw and there was a collective sigh because <gasps> they knew I'd, I'd really pro- never used one of those in my life and they figured I was going to cut my arm off so but you know over the over my time there and then we moved to Hawaii uh, one of the, the, elder, the elder in our church, he's a building contractor, and I work with him from time to time. And I have continued over these, all these years of adding tools to my construction tool belt, right? Little things, little pry bars and little different punches and different things that are handy to have, little tools. And folks, that's exactly how our spiritual life is. We begin and we put the big stuff, you know, we, we Put the big stuff in, in our spiritual tool bag, you know, the hammer and the, and the tape, you know, the scripture. And then as we walk our walk through the sanctification process, we're continually adding things to our spiritual tool belt. Maybe scripture memory or maybe, you know, um, coming alongside uh, someone to help them in ministry or maybe even uh, creating a, a, our own ministry. I mean, just all kinds of different things that we add to our spiritual tool belt to carry us along through the process of progressive sanctification. So I know I'm running out of time, and I'll, I'll roll through this last point. So we have salvation, sanctification, and then glorification in verse 4. To obtain an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and unfading, having been kept in heaven for you. Salvation, totally a work of God. There's nothing that you and I can do to assist in the, in the glorification process. You know, when, when you breathe your last breath, or, you know, I mean, you're not in your own strength, you know, catching the bus to heaven, right? There's, there's nothing we do. God takes over and takes care of that transition process when we trans, you know, we step over that threshold from this life to the next life. Glorification, all a work for God uh, work of God, it is the goal of salvation, right? We, we, we trusted Christ as Savior for the forgiveness of sin so that we could avoid the wrath of God and inherit our internal inheritance, right? That's, that's the whole point. I realize there's all kinds of benefits of walking with God through our life here, but the main thing, folks, is to get to the other side to heaven, right? The forgiveness of sin that's keeping us out. Glorification is the Reward of sanctification. Now that word inheritance is really cool because it's tied right in to uh, verse three where, where it says by the, by the power of Jesus, Jesus Christ's resurrection, so our inheritance is confirmed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I mean, that's what he told Mary and Martha. Do you, you know, the, the, resur- I'm, the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will never die. Do you believe this? yes. Well, then that means your inheritance is intact and nothing can happen to it. Aren't you glad? I'm glad. I'm encouraged. 
We obtain this eternal inheritance, and you know, there's lots of benefits, right? You start thinking, try to get your mind wrapped around what, what your eternal inheritance looks like. You know, we just have to say, oh my, oh wow, wow. You know, because the main thing we think of is life beyond. Life beyond, forever and ever and ever. You know, you and I, we live in the realm of time, right? Everybody's got a watch on, or you got your phone in your pocket, has a time. We live in the realm of time. There's no time in heaven, right? I mean, even Adam and Eve lived in the realm of time. They live in a perfect environment, right? The Garden of Eden, there's still time, right? Sun came up, sun setted, right? A day. There's no rising and setting of the sun in heaven. Jesus will provide all the light we need. So we have life beyond. We step over the threshold of death in this body and we begin life forever and ever and ever. One of the other benefits is righteousness is finally realized. I don't know about you, but I am sick to death of sin. I'm tired of dealing with it because it never goes away. You know, you think, you think, you think you could just get, you know, that Satan would just leave you alone and my own flesh would just leave me alone. You know, you deal with one issue of life and you figure out, you get that figured out and you, you, you apply biblical principles and you get victory over that sin and as soon as that happens, another one pops up. I'll be so glad when righteousness is fully and finally realized and we will no longer ever have to deal with sin ever again, forever and ever and ever. I long for that day. And you think of joy. You know, we have joy here, right? I mean, there's a lot of joy just sitting and being in this room right now. This joy in Christ and the joy of, of the fellowship of the believers. There, I mean, there's a lot of joy here. Well, folks, I just again submit to you that the joy in heaven is going to be way better than this and this is great same with peace you know who doesn't want peace in our land everybody wants peace and peace will come when the prince of peace shows up i mean we can experience some peace right that we have the peace of god because we have been justified through faith in christ there's therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We can experience that peace, and it's a wonderful thing. But I, again, I submit to you that the peace that we're going to have in heaven is going to be peace like we have never imagined. And most of what happens in heaven is like we've never imagined. Because, let's be honest, if I can imagine it, it's not all that spectacular, Right? Wow, the inheritance, our eternal inheritance where we will be perfect. Everything will be perfect. Every, there won't be any flaws anywhere, beginning with me. And all I have to do is stand in the mirror for five seconds and I could pick out all kinds of flaws. But there won't be any when I get to heaven. You think about being forever in God's presence. And as Peter mentions in the, in the next verses, you know, we don't see him, but we believe. What would it be like? 
What will it be like to be eternally in God's presence? And, and, and even, you know, the cherry on top of that is being in companionship with a glorious Christ forever and ever and ever. And then we talk about rewards, the rewards that we have in Christ. And the Bible talks all about rewards, and I don't even know exactly how all that plays out. I just know it will be awesome. That as you and I, during the sanctification process, that we, we invest in the things of Christ, that that is going to result in rewards. And I don't, again, I don't pretend to know what it's going to look like when we stand before the Savior and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know what the whole reward thing is going to look like. I have kind of an idea. But again, if I can figure it out and think about it, it's not all that great. But we know it's going to be great because if it's in heaven, it's going to be great. And I, and I wrote down here, you know, I, I wrote those few things down. I wrote down, and whatever God else God has planned for his, his children, his heirs, it's going to be awesome. And folks, I don't use the word awesome when I talk about stuff of earth. I mean, there's things that I like. I like my motorcycle, but it is not awesome. I like it, but it is not. Only God is awesome. So much different than an earthly inheritance, amen? I mean, as we think about earthly inheritance, we generally think about one thing, which is money, right? And all the things money does. And we all know that our earth, any earthly inheritance is going to burn up and perish and be gone. An earthly inheritance can go away, Right? Through the stroke of a pen, goodbye inheritance. But not so with God. Our eternal inheritance is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Guaranteed. Don't you love Ephesians 1, 13 and 14? And the the progression that's there. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And the question, of course, you have to say, you have to ask the question, are you God's possession? You have to ask that question. Am I God's possession? And I implore you, if you're here this morning and you are not God's possession, that you would become one by placing your faith in the glorious Savior. The indwelling Holy Spirit will see us to the other side where our inheritance waits for us. It's got our name on it. It's got your name on it. Your inheritance is there. It's secure by the Holy Spirit. Peter says that it can't perish. It's incorruptible. It won't decay. And Jesus himself confirms that in Matthew 6. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't you see How exciting sanctification is, is that you and I get to contribute, to invest in our inheritance. 
That's why it's so important that we are doing everything that we can do in the love and service of our Savior because it's going to mean something in our eternal inheritance. It's going to count. Peter said not only, not only does your inheritance not perish, but it can't spoil. It's undefiled. It's unpolluted, unstained by evil which is a total contrast to an earthly inheritance, which we've already talked about. Not only does it not perish and it can't spoil, it can't fade. It's not going anywhere. 2 Corinthians 5.9, this is a key passage. It says, so we make it our goal to please him. Folks, that's the goal of our life. It, it, it must be the goal, goal of our life. If, if, you're, if your goals, and it's fine to set goals, right? That's okay. But the number one goal, the number one goal must be to please Christ. If there's anything on top of that, it's misplaced priority, folks. And I can tell you this from my heart, is that if there is something else in front or on top of making our goal to please Christ, that is going to severely impact our reward. It'll severely impact it. So we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Why? Verse 10, for we must all, right, what's all mean? All means all and that's all that all means. For we must all, every single one of us, must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the bema seat. We are going to appear before Christ and we will, there will be an accounting of what we did during the sanctification process, which he explains. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him, what is due him, what we have earned for the things done while in the body, while we're here, whether good or bad. The good things are described in Scripture as the precious stones. The bad things, and they're not necessarily bad and bad. It's the wood, hay, and straw. It's the stuff of life that really doesn't matter. Because only the things of Christ matter. You see, part of our inheritance includes what we invest in it. It's important. And again, I don't know what that's going to look like. But I do know that it will be awesome. This is our living hope. This is the hope that we have that the world does not have. This is the hope that we have that the world needs to hear about. The gospel of our salvation. Not hope in religious tradition or anything else, but hope in a risen, living Savior that you and I who are in Christ, we are co-heirs with. And our Savior, our Savior Jesus is coming back to redeem his own. And I don't know about you folks, but I can't wait for that day. Father God, we do long for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that you're sovereign, and we know that everything happens in perfect sequence, perfect timing, and we know that your return is that way, that it will happen when it's supposed to happen. And any time that we have, 
between now and the Lord's return is just grace upon grace that we as your people might have opportunity to make the message known to those folks that you bring across our sphere of influence. And Lord, we pray for that. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would bring people my way that I might have opportunity to open the word of God and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would send out this body of believers, the body of believers in in Ocala, across the community to make the message known. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen to that. Amen to that. We have an amazing God of salvation. When you look at the text, you see that he caused us to be born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and kept in heaven for us. What a glorious, glorious salvation is ours in Christ. We're going to forgo the song today as much as we'd love to sing together just for the sake of time. We're going to forgo the song, but we want to just encourage you, meditate on these wonderful truths. Thank you, brother, so much for preaching the gospel to us clearly, that we could know the hope and be reminded of the hope that we have in Christ as our Savior. I just want to say, if, if, if you're here today and your sins are still weighing heavy on you and you don't have hope of what will happen, you don't have absolute certainty of what will happen with your soul when you die. Today's a day of salvation. Just repent of your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that his death paid the penalty for your sins. His resurrection gives you eternal life with him. And come and join the chorus of the redeemed as we celebrate Jesus each day of our lives. I'd invite you to stand as we pray our benediction. Our benediction comes from Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, where we are reminded again of all these glorious uh, provisions of Christ's grace for us. So let's pray this out loud together as we go. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You are dismissed.